to In Other Words. I'm Susan Sher, your host of In Other Words. Thanks for joining us today. My guest today is a memory expert, among other things. This is what he is known for. The memory maestro, Bob Kittell. That's K-I-T-T-E-L-L. Bob, thank you for coming. Yeah. Welcome. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Good. And I'm real excited about this. So, Bob, tell us how you got started becoming the memory maestro. Well, I didn't have a very good memory. Uh, I used to struggle and watch other people like you just ace tests. I'm going, it just isn't fair. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I read a book by Zig Ziglar, see so you at the top, and he, he would have these little books in the back that if you ever see a book about uh, memory, you know, you should pick it up. So I started reading about memory, and I went, oh, my gosh, this would make school so much easier. Uh -huh. Instead of getting a 3.0 killing myself, I was having more fun getting 3.8 to 4.0 GPAs. And that's, I uh, thought, you know what, why doesn't everyone know how to do this? So I uh, started teaching everybody I came in contact with. I'd find somebody in one of my classes and go, hey, you want to have some fun and we're going to ace the tests? And so I started teaching one at a time, and then I thought, huh, I, I, why don't I teach groups? So, uh -huh. well, in college, I walked into an anatomy class. And the professor, I had failed this class two times before, so I knew him pretty well. <laughs> so I learned some memory techniques. Can I share it with your class? And he goes, well, okay. So he gave me five minutes, and I told him I'm doing a free memory workshop tonight for two hours. The whole class came, including the professor. He calls me two weeks later, and he says, you've created a problem. The class you taught just got better grades than the other two classes I teach. Will you please teach the other two classes? And that's how it started. I taught 3,000 kids for free and then found out people would pay for it. Now, that is a very reasonable and, and logical next step, but in the real world, it isn't always that easy. So what did you do? <laughs> well, I, I never took a business class. I just would, uh, you know, people would, you know, one day when I graduated, I had a really good friend say, Bob, you know, you sell door-to-door. -door. Why don't you go sell this door-to-door? I picked a, a room up at, at Ricks College up in Idaho, and I, I just knocked on the door, and I said, hey, how many of you could use a better memory? You want to cut your study okay. time in half and have more free time to do what you want to do? And my gosh, a majority of the people that I went door-to-door -door were signing up. Then we went to other universities. Were you making enough money from that to get by? Oh, I was crushing it. I was, yeah. You know, it was in the area of $1,500 an hour. So you just kind of hit the ground running. Now, a lot of people try to do that and don't manage it. Do you have any idea why, why it did work for you? Well, what I do is I start heading in a direction because I feel that nudge or an inspiration, and then a door will open. It either opens up and takes off, or I go, oh, this isn't the right door. I found that when that inspiration comes, you just go do it and let the chips fall where they may, and amazing things happen. Right. Okay, and what did you lose? Um, I didn't lose anything. What I gained was for years I wondered, I wonder if I should go into acting on, on camera. Mm -hmm. Well, there was the answer, no. Mm -hmm. I noticed that every time I w I'm afraid of something, I always lean right into it. Did you ever hear the one sock theory by Jamie DeNovo? No. She wrote, she wrote the I Am Possible muscle. Uh, I think that's what it's called, but um, i got to remember. Uh, you want to run five, 
if you set a goal to run five miles and you run five miles, your brain, you, you get a reward, a dopamine hit or something, and it builds a neural pathway. Right. Uh, but by saying i got to run five miles, you go, oh, it just seems too big of a task. Well, she found through neuroscience, if you set a goal tomorrow to put one sock on, you'll get the same reward as if you ran the five miles. You oh built a neural, neural pathway. Then you, the next day you set a goal to put two socks on. Then you set a goal to get to the end of the driveway. By achieving little things along the way, you end up uh, having the will to do the bigger things. It doesn't seem as hard after a while. Yeah. That is cool. cool. I had no idea that a goal of – I mean, I do know set attainable goals within your overall goal. Um, but I didn't know it could be something as little as put one sock on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My mother, my mother, she was very, very clever. You know, I, I can't remember if that's in the book. Um, I remember running out of money in college and calling my mom and saying, Ma, I ran out of money. She goes, you'll figure it out. And when I did that with my kids, they said, mm-hmm. Dad, that was the most empowering thing you ever did for us. Okay, let's go back to uh, just memory for a minute. As far as you doing better in school, well, with things like anatomy exams, yeah, it's, it's pretty obvious. But a lot of doing well in school is not just quoting the knowledge, but being able to use it. So how does memory work for that? Well, at least with these memory techniques that I teach, you do have the, the things that you just have to, ro- you have to repeat it. You have to know certain dates. You have to know what the name of certain theories are. You have to know a chemical formula. I said, great. Well, at least we can knock that out quickly so now you have more time to be able to do the, the, the classes where you have to okay. you know, think through them. Okay, so the memory doesn't get you through the class or through the test. It gives you the freedom to work your way through it. Would that be accurate? Yeah. Yeah, it gives okay. you more time to go do that. Turning everything into pictures, you have to, your creativity gets better and better and better, and problem solving gets better. And I, I don't think there can be much doubt that being able to come up with these facts and figures and names and dates is, to use that word again, empowering. The, the part I really like at this point, after you get out of college, I mean, how many things do you really have to memorize? The dullest pencil is keener than the sharpest mind. But names and faces, that's important. Um, You know, when you meet somebody and say, hey, Cameron, how are you doing? Uh, How's your wife, Shirley? Is your daughter – in fact, that's why this book was written. A publisher called me, and we talked for a while. So he calls two weeks later, and I said, hey, how's your son, Julian, doing? He goes, you have got to be kidding me. You remember my son, Julian, from one phone call two weeks ago? And that's what, what made him so interested in me getting this, this information out there. He said, do you know how important that is in business? Oh, my gosh, yes. People in, in anything, they think you care more if you remember those details. Yeah. These memory, I, I think you've had enough success that it's safe to say these memory techniques will work if you put the effort into using them. Also being authentic is important, too. Is age at all a factor in this? Yes, it is. Our brain just doesn't have the same neuroplasticity as when we were younger, but it is cool that our brain can still change when we get older. So it might take me longer to master the techniques that you teach, but I'd still be able to do it. Yeah, that's... Let's see. One thing I wanted to ask you about, this all started with memory. 
Mm-hmm. How did it become personal transformation? Well, I kind of went from memory to sales to motivation to inspiration to transformation. But how did the memory lead to all of this? What did, uh, what did improving your ability to memorize, what did that do for you as a person? So when I was in college, I'm struggling along going, what am I ever going to do with my life? I can't even learn like other people. And, and when I all of a sudden can remember, my confidence completely soared. I went, I can go out and do anything now. Had so much less fear. So I want to uh, talk about a few incidents in your book. You write of a time when you had just started your business and it was going really well. This is right after grad school. And your best friend ripped you off, literally broke into your home, stole everything, and decided to run the business on his own, and you couldn't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. How did you handle that? You know what's interesting is knowing what I know now, um, it would probably... Then it would have never even started. But back then, I mean, I was furious because I lost my business. I had to let my brother go, my employees go. I was making over $100,000 a year. That disappeared like poof, it's gone. I was really angry, I, I, but I had him dead to rights. I had evidence he had broken into my home. This has become my signature story. Every time I speak, I close with this story. <laughs> and I, I have everybody squeeze their hand, and I go, squeeze. Now, just that, if you're going to squeeze as hard as you can all day, it's not going to feel real good, so just let it go. So that's the opening. But I just said uh, I, I, I was pressing charges. I was going to nail this guy, but I had a problem. I was what's called ruminating. I was playing it, it over and over in my head how mad I was at him and how my life is ruined and telling all these stories that weren't even true. And so I learned don't be a victim. Change it, leave it, or accept it. So I went to my older, wiser mentor, and I said, hey, I, he did this to me. It's not fair. I, I, I said, but why am I the one who's so upset? I can't sleep at night. I just can't let this. I'm just mad. He goes, well, Bob, let me ask you a question. If you press charges and nail him and embarrass him, will that save your business? I go, no, the damage has already been done. He said, so why are you pressing charges? Then I got really mad. You've got to be kidding. <laughs> Somebody's got to teach him a lesson. Somebody's got to make it right. And he goes, Bob, that's revenge. I go, what? Bob, revenge is taking poison and hoping the other person dies. He goes, you don't have to listen to me, but my advice to you is to let this go. You can't carry this anymore. You need to let it go. So two weeks later, finally the thought came in. He was your best friend. And all of a sudden I remembered three months before I graduated from grad school, I ran out of money, and he gave me $1,500 cash. He said, here's your graduation present in advance. I'm proud of you. And then I remembered a number of other wonderful things he had done for me, and I watched all that hatred just leave. So then uh, I called him up and I said, hey, I've decided to drop the charges. I gift you the business. I wish you the best of luck. My friend thinking something was up says, what is it you really want? I said, well, you know what I really want? I just want my friend back. I know I made the right decision. A couple years later, he was instantly killed in a car crash. And the thought that went through my mind was, aren't you glad you let it go? So I tell audiences, I go, maybe that's what I'm here for today. Maybe you're holding a grudge. My advice to you is let it go. I promise there's good things to come. Like I said, it started out as a memory book, and now it's my transformation from panic to peace. It's it's a story of 
how I ended up on the biggest stages, and the biggest stages, mm-hmm. the first catalyst was learning memory, falling off into massive panic where I, I go, I know why people end their life. It's not to end their life, it's to end the pain. And then taking, it was about five or six years to come out of that hole where I could care less if I was alive or not uh, to a place where it's just wonderful now. Okay. It's hope. It's a, it's a message of hope. Let's talk about the products you have. You're on your web, his web page. If you go to bobcatell.com, K-I-T-T-E-L-L, you'll see his store. And you have more than one product. Why is that if you only need to, if it only takes two hours to learn it? Some of them are the original ones. One is just how to memorize quotes. Another one is, uh, you know, because there are different techniques for different things. If I'm going to memorize uh, vocabulary words, it's different than memorizing word for word an entire paragraph. The book actually also leads you right to my uh, memory course, How to Remember Terms, Definitions, Formulas, Equations, Names and Faces, oh, whatever yeah, you need. One thing I wanted to talk about, let's see, there are, there are different techniques. Linking system to remember any kind of list. Use the image method to remember someone's name. Use the anatomy method to remember items by placing them on your body. Use the resemblance peg to associate, peg system to associate items to numbers. Use the loci system, loci system to remember items by placing them at certain spots. This would be like around your home or your community or something. Mm -hmm. Use the phonetic system to remember any number no matter how large. So, these are all different methods, but they use the same techniques, right? They use visual memory. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, t- turning things into pictures because we remember in pictures and stories a lot better than just trying to pound it into our head by repeating. Yes, absolutely. And as they say, a picture is worth a thousand words. So you will be having new books and webinars or online courses on the site soon? It's all out there right now. On the website, you can get the entire course. In fact, it's referred to in the book, too, how to get there. An easy way to find me is on Instagram. I'm Bob Memory. Oh, that's easy to remember. Anyway, let's go back to memory to uh, pull this together. First, let me ask you, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you would like to? Oh, we could talk for hours. But oh, no, yeah, no good. question about that. Yeah, but is but, there something yeah. important? I think the important thing, uh, what, well, the important thing that I've just discovered that I'm doing is uh, sh- teaching people to wake up and see who they are, and that changes everything, and that the answers are in them. So I've learned, I remember at the beginning when I w- was, my mind was all crazy and cluttered, I had a question, well, what should I do with this relationship? Well, what, what should I do with speaking next? What should I do with, and he took a snow globe and he shook it. He goes, Bob, can you see clearly through that snow globe? I go, well, no. He said, what do you have to wait? What do you have to wait to happen before you can see clearly? I said it's got to settle. Well, what do you have to do to settle the the snow globe? I go nothing. He goes, Bob, that's like your mind. Those are your thoughts ripping all over the place. Can you make any clear decisions right now? I go no. He goes, let's wait for it to settle. Then you'll know what to do because the answers are in you. So okay. I have learned. I have learned that when somebody asks me for advice, I actually had a kid go, I don't know, should I marry her? I go, who on the planet is the most qualified to know if you should marry that girl? 
He goes, uh, me? Right. Is the snow globe all mixed up right now? Uh-huh. Wait till it settles, and then you'll know what to do. Now, that is great and profound. How do you do it? How do you, you let it learn? settle? Uh, we have those settling moments in the shower or riding a bike, or that's what Einstein did. He said, 99 times I think and nothing comes. I stop thinking, I swim in the silence, and truth comes to me. So the short answer would be those places where you find quiet, sit with the question. I, told, I tell kids that are religious, I go, if you're praying, shut up. Sit with the question and wait for the answer. Peace be still, if in, in your words, from the way you understand things. So if you find quiet up in the mountains, go up in the mountains and sit with the question and watch for the inspiration to come. I think there's something else very important. I mean, that, that is critical, but you mentioned riding a bike. Getting quiet doesn't necessarily mean sitting still. I mean, you can go ride your bike. In fact, when your body is moving, that's when your mind is often the freest, isn't it? Uh-huh. So then, then, do you want me to catapult you past that point? Sure. Let's go. You, and you probably heard it in my TEDx talk when I called my coach and I go, what have you done to me? He goes, what? <laughs> I go, all the chattering in my head stopped. It's quiet in there. And that's, that's our natural state. But we've learned to, to, to overthink things and we've got so much chattering going on in there. I said, I used to have to meditate or ride a bike to quiet my mind. Now it's just quiet all the time. So that's where we can get one day, but uh, it only took me seven years, and I didn't even know I was shooting for it. My coach didn't say we're, we're aiming for that. He just showed me how to get connected with others, connected with self, reflect inside, which is connecting with yourself. And one day it just got quiet, and that was pretty cool. That is certainly something, well, I aspire to. I would imagine a whole lot of people do. We always try to make things happen. I, I, there's a book title I saw once, Don't Push the River. Um, and that's, we, so many of us do that. It's like the river's going to go where it's going to go. It doesn't need you to push it. Anyway, so it all started with a memory technique. Yes. And by the way, the reason I even picked up the memory book wasn't just that Zig Ziglar said it. Well, I picked it up because Zig Ziglar said it. When I got on the third page, that inspired internal uh, feeling came on, like, know this book. Those were the words that came into my head, know this mm. book. And I wasn't even in school at the time. I was between uh, – I had already graduated, did not want to go back to college for a master's, read this book, so I, I just did. So follow that inspiration. Don't question it. Five-second rule. Five, four, three, two, one, go. Go do it. Now, I want – just before we leave – Let's clarify this five-second rule a little bit better. How do you work it? Uh, the way Mel Robbins says she started, she was laying in bed, and she goes, I always have to drag myself out, and I don't want to get out. And her alarm went off, and she remembered a rocket ship taking off. Five, four, three, two, one, bam, she jumped out of bed. The next day she did it again. The next day she did it again. Then she started doing that with, I should call so-and-so, and we used like in sales, you make excuses and don't get around to it, and maybe they're, no, five, four, three, two, one, make the call. That's how I got into a university to teach all the athletes. 
I, I had been procrastinating, and I finally went 54321, called the athletic director. I got an appointment the next day, got to speak to the coaches the next week, and for four years I've been teaching all their athletes how to have a better memory. 54321, go. Okay. Well, that is it for today. Bob, this has been just wonderful. Thank you so much. And, well, thank oh, you. I, this has been delightful. You listen really well. <laughs> <laughs> Again, B-O-B-K-I-T-T-E-L-L. I am assuming you can all spell Bob. been listening to In Other Words. This is your host of In Other Words, Susan Scher. You can find me at inotherwordsgroup.com or at susanshare.com. And thank you so much for joining us. Join us again. Bye-bye. In other words.